Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. What is up, 49ers faithful? We are back with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. It's been a minute. And I got a guest co-host with me, Brian Rennick. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Al Sacco, the, uh, the OG is, is out. Uh, he's got some stuff he's taking care of. You know, it's a busy time with, with the kids and stuff like that. So he's, uh, he's holding it down, you know, doing the parenting thing. So, uh, we're, we're in here and, uh, we're going to talk some Niners and it's it, man, you and I were talking off the air, Brian, it's been a long time since we did a podcast. What it was like March or something like that, that we did one. Right. And like a lot's, a lot's happened with the Niners since then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, there's a lot to get to today. There's a ton of stuff about Trey Lance that's that's out there that we want to kind of parse through. There's obviously the Devo Samuel situation with the contract still not sorted out. There's the draft. We can go over the high level. We're not, you know, we're not really into camp yet. So we don't really know what any of these guys are going to do or, or necessarily right. what shot they have to, to get extended playing time. But I, I did want to start off with one thing, and uh, I think that uh, it's it's weighing heavily on and everybody's minds uh, this this past week with the uh, the senseless, uh, evil, uh, beyond uh, violent massacre of uh, nineteen children and two teachers in Ovalde, Texas. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, Brian, it's it's been a very difficult week for me being a parent of a of a young child. Um, and then another one on the way, knowing that there are only certain things that we can do to protect our kids. And then after that, it's, you know, there's, there's hopefully enough sense out there to be able to keep them safe, but you know, that's a parent's worst nightmare. And it's been a bad week for a lot of us. And, you know, I think that a lot of change needs to happen in this nation and a lot of, uh, progress needs to be made in that particular area. But just hearing about that on on tuesday it was just the most gut-wrenching thing and as the details come out over the course of the week it was uh it's it's a very difficult pill to swallow and and my heart you know goes out to the the victims families and and uh anybody that's that's been affected by by this senseless tragic loss of life and uh you know i just wanted to say that like sometimes it's you know we come out here and we we do the podcast and we're like hey 49er stuff and like you know there's a lot to talk about a lot of excitement but it's like you know some things are bigger than sports right and like yeah obviously everywhere listening to the radio and other podcasts and things like that like everybody's addressing and everybody's kind of like has their own way of of using their platform and you know this is this is how i want to use our platform to to get awareness out that you know things need to change like we cannot continue the senseless loss of innocent lives first Sandy Hook 10 years ago, mm-hmm. now in Texas. And I mean, even one time was too many. And now this is twice in the last 10 years yeah. and innocent babies, man, they never even got a chance to live their lives. And it's just the, yeah. the most tragic, tragic thing you could think of and, and just the most gutting thing. So, you know, I, I, I don't have much more to say because I can't, like, it's just, I can't bring myself right. to, to think about it. And, and I don't know, Brian, like, yeah. I don't know if you're being, feeling similar to me about that, but it's just the most difficult thing. Yeah. Same thing. You know, for me, it's, it, there's, there's so many levels to it. Um, you know, I'm an educator myself. Um, I am not a classroom teacher. Uh, I am an independent study teacher, uh, but I am an educator myself. Um, my, uh, my podcast, uh, co-host, uh, is a principal, a site, uh, a site-based principal. 
Um, and so just on that level, uh, as, as educators, uh, you know, it, it hits, it hits deeper. And then, you know, having, having my own, my own kiddos in third grade and, uh, and in first grade and just to, to, to even try and place myself in the shoes of those parents is something that, you know, honestly, I can't even handle, I can't even handle trying to put myself in those shoes. And so it's been, it's been a tough week. Um, it's been a tough week to, to care about sports when, you know, when, when you, you know, when you can't even fathom just how devastating, you know, this, this tragedy is. And yeah, like you said, as the week has gone on, you know, more information has come out, things have, it it almost feels like I've gotten angrier as the week has gone on. And so, you know, again, I know sports is uh, an escape for a lot of people. And so, you know, we're trying to, trying to, trying to do that here. Uh, But, but like I said, it has been hard to care about sports this week, but uh, we will, uh, we will do our best to, to cover some things 49ers related here and uh, continue to, uh, you know, continue to hold uh, that community and those families uh, in our thoughts and uh, in our hearts. Yeah. And and very well said. And I I couldn't say it better myself. It's just, um, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna try to kind of shift the focus away. I mean, I, I don't think you could ever really truly shift it, but we're going to try to shift it back to, you know, the stuff that we were talking about before all this happened, right? Like yeah, fighting, fighting about what Trey was doing in practice <laughs> and what people don't think about Trey. And it's just, yeah. so here's the thing for me. And look, we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be traded, right? We know that he's basically not going to be on the roster come the start of the season, right? The, the Niners drafted Brock Purdy. We'll get in the draft in a little bit drafted Brock Purdy to be the third quarterback on the team, re-signed Nate Sudfeld and gave him a pretty decent deal for a backup quarterback, right? Like a million guaranteed. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't give your third quarterback, like your practice squad quarterback that deal. So I think that right now it's just really on Jimmy's health and and when he gets better for when they can trade him. Like he has not, he has not been in contact with the team. We hope he's traded, right? We hope. Yeah. We we hope we can get something. We're confident he's not going to be on the team, but we hope that it's a trade and not a release because then you get nothing. Correct. Exactly. Like I would, I would hope that they get, you know, like a mid round pick for him at this point, but you never know. So right. really it comes down to the fact that Trey is the man. And, and mm-hmm. I think that this is something that we were waiting for since last year and it worked out well for the most part with Jimmy last year, you know, we got to the, the conference championship and we're within 10 minutes of going to the Super Bowl in, in a really, really surprising season in a lot yep. of ways, but really now it's about Trey's development and what he's doing. And a lot of the, it's funny because the things that you hear in the off season about football teams, like you, you take those with a grain of salt. It's the slow time of year. NFL sure. has the longest, it's got the longest off season, right? Yeah. It's nine, it's, it's close to nine. It's, it's seven months or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Between the Super Bowl and, and training or preseason. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you haven't made the playoffs, it's even longer, right? So, Yikes. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. So I think that with all this time and, and time to ponder and all this stuff, you hear all this like literally just crap about Trey Lance and how he's not a leader and he's not the real deal. Like Emmanuel Acho put out like something this today that was saying, oh, oh, well, I don't believe that he's he's the real deal. And like word about it is that he's one play train this and that. Look, he's 22 years old and he's started yeah. two games in the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And he had 17 starts in college. And he is very much a work in progress. Sure. Is he going, is he going to be a pro bowler right off the start? Probably not. We could, you know, but the thing is, is that 
that doesn't matter because it's not about year one. It's about right. year two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right. Like, hopefully he'll be here for the next decade. Yeah. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. So I don't know, Brian, like, what do you think about all this stuff that people are saying about Trey and like the rumors that like, oh, he's the Niners were at one point they were saying they were underwhelmed about like, continually was, underwhelmed is the quote. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. what do you think about that? As I say, so I, I actually on the web zone put out an article. Uh, so again, I'm the editor on the site, but I do put out some content uh, every once in a while trying to do more. But but I put out an article about you know, the the title of the article was why so negative, you know, a, a look at the narrative surrounding Trey Lance. And and honestly, to me, it really genuinely feels like the 49ers did something that was I don't want to say unheard of, but very uncommon in the NFL. And what they did was they put together a Super Bowl caliber roster and then they traded a bunch of draft capital to move up into the top five, top three, actually, uh, to, to draft a quarterback when they had a quarterback already on their roster who had taken them to a Super Bowl in, 20, in, in the 2019 season and had just taken them to the NFC Championship game in, in, 20, in 2021. Now, granted, that was after they drafted Trey Lance, but you know they already had a, a quarterback on the roster that they were winning with and winning with at a pretty impressive clip when he was healthy and on the field. And I think that was the key that people, I don't, I think people glossed over the fact that it, it, in my opinion, the, the reason that they, that they decided to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo was because they couldn't count on him to stay healthy in a, in, for a full season. Cause he's only done it once since mm-hmm. being a San Francisco 49er, quite literally still only once. Cause he still missed two games in, in 2021. So they did something that, like I said, is almost unheard of unless you look at what the Kansas City Chiefs did, right? The Kansas City Chiefs were in a very similar position. They had a quarterback who was, you could argue, top half of the league in terms of if you were ranking quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. But a quarterback that wasn't getting them over the hump and that hump being winning in the playoffs and getting the Super Bowl. And so with Alex Smith still on the roster, the Chiefs traded up, right? But what they did is they traded up to the, the middle of the first round or, or really kind of the end of the, you know, the, cause I think it was 11, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong there. So it was a little bit lower, right? They gave up less and they got Patrick Mahomes. Well, the 49ers did the same thing. And I, I just think people lost their mind because they went up to three, right? right. And, and, and they traded a bunch to get up there. And, mm-hmm. and, and I genuinely believe that once they decided to make that move, right, which is a move that I think they made. Because Deshaun Watson's uh, legal trouble surfaced, I think genuinely, I, 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 again, I genuinely believe that the, the package that they sent to the Dolphins was the package that they had already put together to send to the Texans for Deshaun Watson prior right. to those allegations coming out. And then they missed out on Matthew Stafford. And so those two things happening, they said, all right, let's pivot to the draft. This is a draft that is, that, that is quarterback rich. And they looked at the, at, at the 2022 draft and went, that, that, that's a draft that's that's bereft of talent at the quarterback position. Yeah. We got to make our move now. They did. They drafted a kid that they believed in, but knew <clears throat> needed to sit, right? Needed to, to, needed to, I don't want to say mature because he's a very mature kid, but, but he needed a year to get his feet under him in the NFL. And so pundits thought, all right, they moved up to three for Mac Jones so that they could replace Jimmy Garoppolo right away when it was, no, we'll keep Jimmy Garoppolo for another season. We'll let him be our quarterback. We're going to let this kid sit. 
And for whatever reason, analysts can't fathom that if you pick a quarterback in, in, in the top three, that you're going to sit them for a year. Nobody does that, right? Well, nobody does that because the teams that draft quarterbacks in the top five suck, right? Yeah, they're awful yeah. teams. That's why they're in the top five. The 49ers, again, traded up to three, but even at the position they were, which was 12, they were there because their quarterback was injured the previous season and they had a, a losing a losing record. Didn't mean that their, that their talent was low, that their roster was bereft of talent. It meant that, again, they, they were victims of their quarterback getting injured. And so I honestly think it's just, uh, uh, again, people, people tr trying to trying to get content, knowing that 49er fans will engage. That's, that's a key right there. Mm. Um, and then not understanding that this was the plan or, or at least not accepting right. that this was the plan because mm. it goes against what they think is normal. Yeah. I think that's a good point that the idea of a quarterback sitting nowadays, I mean, the back in the late nineties, early two thousands, that's kind of how it was, right? You would draft a quarterback. They would sit yeah. the, the Niners. Famously, obviously, did that with Steve Young when they made the trade for him from Tampa Bay. He sat, and they wanted him to for work in Montana. Same thing with you know when when they were looking to replace Young, like they brought in Jim Druckenmiller, who was a fantastic <laughs> fail, <laughs> and but he was sitting right. For, but hey, for he could years. pull he could pull a vehicle, right? Remember he, that he could he could pull a vehicle. He was strong. He, he was, was strong. He was the country strong, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. he was. Uh, he, so, but you know, it's not it's not unheard of for teams to do this. But I think that what it is is that. Nowadays, people want everything like instant. They want instant results. They want sure. a guy who can come in and instantly just set the world on fire. And people forget that Patrick Mahomes again sat a full year, played the last game of that that first season yep. when he was a rookie, and then he did he did all right. You know, he was okay. And you know, it was off to the races the next year. And I think mm -hmm. that the funny thing is, is that if you follow the money in Vegas, the the odds of Trey Lance becoming MVP or people betting on him becoming MVP, like there's a ton of money increasing. coming in. There's a yeah. lot of money coming out of that. Yep. And it's funny because more than one person has said that, like, I think that Trey Lance is going to be a star in this league and people are, are just going to wait. And I really feel like when you were talking about the draft, I really feel like it was, it may or may not have been Mac Jones. Like there's, that's the famous debate that people like had when, when during the draft and some, some people like to still have it, but I feel like they wanted to jump the bears because the yeah. bears were probably going to take Trey Lance. One of, they were going to take one of Trey Lance or Justin Fields, right? Whichever mm -hmm. one fell to mm -hmm. them. And I feel mm -hmm. like the Bears probably favored Trey Lance. And do you, you mean know, do you mean the Falcons or the Bears? Because the Bears traded up. They were they had a lower pick. Oh, the I'm Bears sorry, the traded up to sorry. get Fields. Yeah, that, Falcons. I'm sorry, the Falcons. The Falcons. Yeah. Sorry, I I, uh, yeah. I forgot the Falcons front number four. Yeah. So yeah, they ended up getting yeah. Kyle Pitts, and I feel like yep. they the Falcons favored Trey Lance, and yeah. they they wanted uh, they wanted Trey. The Niners jumped them to get Trey. They end up getting Kyle Pitts, and you know mm -hmm. I think it worked out well for for both teams. But sure. that being said, you know like a lot of the a lot of the stuff about him is premature because you don't know what he is yet. We don't right. know if he's going to be an MVP or a superstar. We don't know if he's going to be a bust. We don't like. I think both things are possible. But if you look at the, and I'm not saying he's going to be a bust at all. I'm just saying like within right. the, the spectrum of possibility, like it's, sure. it's one of the outcomes, right? And Absolutely. that's the same same for any player. Yeah, but if you look at the situation that he's been put in, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, it's the best situation by far. And <laughs> yeah, by far, like it's yeah. not even close. It's not even close. So I think that based off of that, you can look at it and safely say, "Oh, okay, like, well, you know, we'll probably have more success than, than the other quarterbacks will." So that being said, like all the stuff about Trey, it's way too premature. I think that 
since coming here, he's done everything that you want out of a rookie quarterback who's going to lead your team. He's been a good teammate. He's mm-hmm. been a good understudy from Jimmy. He hasn't caused any waves or anything like that. He's quietly worked hard. He's engaged his teammates. Mm-hmm. He has earned their respect. And he is very quietly becoming a leader on the team at the tender age of 22 years old. Brand and new 22. Exactly. Brand new 22 year yeah. old. So I, I, there's nothing more that you can ask from him as of now, right? Like there's a, we'll see right. on the field, but up until yeah. now he's been checking on the boxes and that's all you can ask for. So again, all the trade stuff, premature. I think that we should, you know, kind of take, take everything they say with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think b- before we move on the thing that, that I've been most impressed with, with Trey is not, not the physical skill set. It's there. I'm impressed with it. Like we've seen the practice videos. He's makes some jaw dropping plays in practice made some jaw-dropping plays when he saw the field in, mm-hmm. you know, in, in 2021. What I've been most impressed with was, is the person of Trey Lance, right? right. His, his intangibles, his leadership, his work ethic, his uh, football IQ, all of these mm-hmm. things, right, are the things that you look for in a quarterback. And even though he has a scant amount of experience, even playing the position, it's those things that, to me, make it seem like, bust while is a while it's a potential to me it's the least or a less likely uh outcome right. than it is either solid starter or superstar right because right. when you have when you have somebody that that has that kind of work ethic that has that kind those kind of leadership abilities that has the football IQ that he does those are the things that that make quarterbacks great right there are tons of Jamarcus Russells who can throw the ball from end zone to end zone, but doesn't have the work ethic, doesn't have mm-hmm. the football IQ, right? So while his physical tools are impressive, and that's one of the things that excites me, it's the person of Trey Lance that I've been most impressed with. And I think that's ultimately what the 49ers fell in love with as well. And and that's why, you know, he's he's in Santa Clara now. Yeah, I agree. And the way that he he handles the media, like he was this past week, he was asked <sighs> so about polished. Like, yeah. He just like for a 22 year old to like behave that and 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 yeah verbalize and articulate the things that he does it's extremely yeah. impressive and he's just off the charts intelligence so everything that you said like you know plus one on all of that for me so yeah. you know the, the question that he took from from uh grant Cohen, who we'll talk it about was from grant yeah <laughs> about criticisms from the media and he said like mm-hmm. you know it's my trey's like it's not my job to care about what you guys say yep. and his job is is to get the loyalty of those guys in that building and to get them to run through a brick wall for him. Like the brick wall that's behind me, right? Like brick, also brick <laughs> by brick as well, right? That's why there it is brick by brick. <laughs> but um, you know, like that's, and that's what he's doing and he's earning their loyalty. And, and I think that that's a big thing. And, and when you have the team behind you, it allows you to be a better leader and it allows you to be able to, to make mistakes as well, because you, you know, your team is going to pick you up. And I think that's, that's a really good place to be. Absolutely. So now I, I, I do want to get to this because this is, this is the elephant in the room, 49ers mm-hmm. Twitter and, and 49ers yeah. fans. And we mentioned Grant Cohn. And so, so I'm going to preface this by saying that, so Grant and I have talked privately like in the past and, and my interactions with him have been, have been positive, right? Like he's been really nice and, and he's been mm-hmm. cool and all that stuff. And it's very different from the character that he plays publicly when he's creating content. Absolutely. So I think that like, you know, you and I right now, like we are content creators, we are wearing that hat and privately we may or may not have different thoughts about like what we're saying and, and things like that based off of like, you know, what, what type of engagement we want. Yeah. So uh, for anybody that's in the public eye, I think that that holds true. Now, 
that being said, there is a way to conduct yourself and conduct your business in a manner that is uh, that will be received by the people that you affect and that you report about and and that you cover in a positive way. Um, and we all know that Grant has a shtick, and he sticks to yes. that because that's that's what gets him the engagement that he wants, and that's what's yes. helped him grow. You know his his following and, and viewership. Now, I think there's a limit to everything when it comes to both praising, you know, a team, right? Because like you can't just be like a homer and praise them all the time, right? And you know, being negative about a team, I feel like you know, just being down the middle is is the best way to go. Like being moderate about it is the best way to go and, and measured. And I feel like Grant, in my opinion, has gotten too much on to the side of of criticism to the point where it's like almost like mockery of the team. And and, pl- and players, specific players and specific players exactly yeah. and and they've taken notice. Mm-hmm. So if you have been living under a rock for the past the past little while, <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna say this I'm gonna say this. So again, Tuesday was a terrible day and it's been a really tough week. But Tuesday was a terrible day for obvious reasons, right? And then yeah. in the evening, like you're on you're on like the, the Warriors played they lost. You know it was it was mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like okay for, for those people to follow the Warriors they lost too. So you're looking for something to get your mind off of it. Right. And in comes Grant Cohn, the 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 tooth fairy, whatever you want to call it, Grant Cohn flying in that drops us a little present to us that we unwrap and all of a sudden we see Javon Kinlaw yelling at him over his YouTube or his yeah. YouTube stream. Yeah. And it was it was it was bad. Like Kinlaw really laid into him. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him. I don't blame yeah. Javon Kinlaw one bit. Because if you saw the video that Grant posted earlier from that day in practice. Like mm-hmm. when there was nobody around and he was by himself talking all this stuff about Javon Kinlaw, mm-hmm. he had it. I'm sorry to say he had it coming. Like you can't, you can't yeah. post that. that and not yeah. think that there's going to be a response. And that's what a lot of people said was, you know, basically, you know, and there was when you, you got onto Twitter, right? 49ers Twitter. And, you know, there were some that were like, there were some that would defending grant. Right. And they were a small minority. And then there were most fans who were on Kinlaw's side because mm-hmm. Most fans really dislike Grant Cohn and they dislike him because he does talk overtly negative about their team and about specific players on the team. And it's unreasonable. Yeah. And so, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, it it is, it is elevated rhetoric, right? Mm -hmm. That is, is used specifically to boost engagement, right? Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people, they, they consider that, you know, unprofessional they consider it like uh i guess you could argue that you know they consider it using their team right and 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 being overtly negative for the team that they root for as well this guy doesn't this guy doesn't like the 49ers right Right. and it's like well we got to understand something twofold one if you cover a team you're not a fan of the team you can't be right let's get that out of the way you cannot be a fan of a team that you cover because if you are, then you're going to be biased, right? So you've got to try and maintain some level of down the middle, right? But to me, like you said, you the overtly positive and overtly negative, they're two sides of the same coin, right? Mm-hmm. They're both disingenuous, right? right? You're not, you can't just be negative all the time because there's not negativity all the time. Just mm-hmm. like you can't be positive all the time because there are things that the team will do that the coaches will do, that players will do, that will deserve criticism, right? Right. And so 
there's there's got to be there, there's got to be a balance there. And the problem with I think with with Grant's content is that there's been a lack of balance, right? And mm-hmm. so, and then specifically, you know, he does he does pick on or pick out specific players that he then kind of goes in on, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think the thing that is most frustrating for Kinlaw and for some of these other players uh, is that a lot of what Grant says has to do with his injuries, right? Which yeah. I'm sure he's frustrated by anyway, right? As a, as a, as a professional football player, you want to be on the field for your team, right? Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been able to do that because of these injuries. Right. Those aren't his fault. Like we can't fault him for, for being injured, right? That mm-hmm. there's, he doesn't choose to be injured, but when you, when that's what you point out as a, as a content creator, then it makes it seem like you are blaming that player for being injured, right? And so I think I, I understand why Kinlaw was upset. And I, I think it's completely justified. The thing that, that, that took me aback specifically wasn't even the live stream. You know, there were some things that he said in the live stream where I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah, all right, like, let's, let's tone it down a little bit. But it was funny though. That, like, it was, it was, it was super, <laughs> it made, I laughed. Right. But yeah. the, the, the thing that took me aback was the attempt at physical intimidation at practice. And that was yeah. really the thing that I think as the, or as if I were, if I were John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan or a member of the organization, that's the situation that makes, gives me pause and goes, man, I got, we got to talk to Javon because you cannot be doing that with reporters, regardless of how we feel about re- them. Right. I guarantee Kyle Shanahan. It's obvious anytime he engages with Grant, Kyle Shanahan does not like Grant Cohn. It's obvious, right? right? Mm -hmm. And there are lots of players that don't, but no other player has tried to physically intimidate him at practice. And that was where I was like, that's where Javon Kinlaw crossed the line for me. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then Grant crossed the line with the video that he posted prior to Kinlaw coming on uh, his, his live stream. And that's also what a lot of former players are pointing to because in the video, not not the video he posted right right after practice, but in a live stream prior to the one that Kinlaw joined, where he basically said, like, I wasn't afraid. I was thinking to myself, and and he's come out and said this was a joke, but you know, is that backpedaling? Who knows? I you know, no not knowing Grant, but knowing kind of his shtick, I I I do know that he he is very sarcastic. He is very um, you know, he is very snarky um and so i i do think that to a certain extent he was joking but he he joked about if kinlaw hit me like then i'd get to retire and i would you know i'd be able to sue him for millions and i wouldn't have to do this anymore right that's the thing that 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 players are pointing to and going this is the mindset of this guy and you're letting him in our building you're not protecting us right whereas on the flip side on grant's side it's like why is this player like able to come up and physically intimidate me at practice like then the team is not keeping him safe right and so that's where i think there's this ultimately to me both both people both parties were in the wrong grant played a role in this kinlaw played a role in this they were both wrong i appreciate that john lynch had them come in uh they shook hands it sounds like it's squashed grant said it's squashed kinlaw went on ig and said I shook your hand for my organization. This isn't squash, but then he took that down. So, you know, I don't know, but, but ultimately again, I think 
I think the biggest issue that most people aren't talking about is that physical intimidation at practice. And I'm hoping that for both, for both parties, I hope that Grant learns a lesson here and starts to kind of evaluate his rhetoric and tone it down a bit. And I hope that Kinlaw learns, Hey, I like, you can't be doing that. Like you're a professional athlete. It's not okay to, to, for, for reporters to consistently, you know, bag on you in the press and, and, and never say anything positive. Mm -hmm. And and I understand you're upset, but you cannot let your anger get the best of you. I I think that the most interesting part of this is that the amount of players that came out in support Mm -hmm. of Javon Kinlaw Mm -hmm. was very, very captains, like the team captain, like George Kittle. I consider George Kittle Mm -hmm. the the team. Like he is the face of the team right now. I think that George Kittle is the team captain. And Eric Armstead, team captain, mm-hmm. came out. Raheem Mostert, although he's on the, the Dolphins now, came out. Tyreek Hill, who's right. not even, not on, even the, on the team. Yeah. Not even on the team, came out. George Kittle's wife <laughs> came mm-hmm. out. And it's clearly like it's Daniel Brunskill. Daniel Brunskill came, came out and said something. Like Brunskill came out. That, I feel like that yeah. should say something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brunskill came out. Tabor, Tabor Pepper, the, the long snapper, mm-hmm. came out and said something. Dante yeah. Pettis. Came mm-hmm. out and said stuff because Grant had a lot of bad stuff to say yep. about Pettis. And I think that the point that Pettis made was like, look, you know, you say that we're athletes and that we have to deal with this and that this is this comes with the territory. But he's like, we're human beings, too. And I think sure. that it's not about like them being soft or whatever it is. It's no. about like there's there's a limit to everything. Right. And yeah. just because these guys are athletes and they're obligated to talk to the media doesn't mean that the media can take advantage of that, of that sure. privilege. 100%. And that's what it is. It is a privilege to be in an NFL locker room. Mm-hmm. And you and I talk to, you know, we talk to David all the time about like, you know, getting field passes and press passes and all this stuff, right? Like we do, you know, we do this every season before the year. And it is mm-hmm. exceeding, for those of you that don't know, it is exceedingly difficult to get a press pass or locker room access yeah. or access to even a practice yep. in, and on an NFL team. It is so hard and it takes so much to be able to get that. And the fact that like, you know, Grant, you know, he has that access, it's a privilege. Pat mm-hmm. McAfee, who I love, by the way, mm-hmm. Pat McAfee is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You should definitely, if you if you don't uh, listen to his podcast, watch the show. You definitely do that. He's fantastic. Yeah. It got wind. He got wind of this. Yeah, <laughs> and, which is crazy to me because it's like yeah. you know this is like a local beat writer. It went yeah, it went national. <laughs> it went national, and the national yeah, TMZ writers, got it. Yeah, TMZ got it. Florio got it. He was talking about yeah. it. So everybody's talking about this, and I think that you know that's not that's not a good look for Grant. Because now, no. you know, being a reporter, and again, like there's context involved. Like you said, Ken Laws also had a hand in this too. But there's, but mm-hmm. what people are seeing is they're seeing basically a, a reporter abusing his, his privileges. Yes. Correct. And I in think that eyes, like, yeah. exactly. And, and I think that when it comes down to what you can and can't say to a, to a, a player, you know, like everybody has their own shtick. Like Grant's dad, Lowell Cone, famously, mm-hmm. he, he used to get into it all the time with yeah. all of the Bay Area franchises. Right with mm-hmm. players and managers for all of the team, mm-hmm. and that was his shtick. And I think that Grant has seen that, and he's like, "All right, that works. I'm going to do the same thing." You know, Kawakami is very similar, where he has the the same sort of idea. Yeah, Skip Bayless, when he was here in the '90s covering the Niners, he was the same the same way. And mm-hmm. I think that that they see that, and they're like, "Well, this is going to drive engagement," so they want to they want to try it. But I, I think that, like, again, for me, I don't I don't particularly care for that type of journalism. Like, right. I just scroll right past. I don't care about that stuff. But mm-hmm. it, it resonates with some people and, and to each their own. And that's why this is a free country with free speech. And, and you know, people, they, they use that. 
Now, regardless, yeah. you know, I, I do want to close by saying this uh, until we, uh, we can move on to, to other stuff, but it is, it, we have a responsibility as content creators to bring our consumers of our content responsible, balanced sort of journalism and takes, right? Absolutely. And that's something that I know Al and I have talked about it as well, right? Like we, we will tell the truth and we will try our best to, to maintain the middle line, right? Obviously, we have personal feelings and things like that that sometimes may or may not leak into our content. But for the most part, we try and stay away from it. And I think that that's something that Grant lost focus of. And I, I hope, like you said, he can refocus and push out great content uh, because there was a period of time when he started building his team where like the content was better. But now mm-hmm. he's kind of back to his little stick. So I hope I hope he learns. Yeah. I hope Kimon learns as well. Yeah. I mean, we we live we live in a in a media environment that is driven by engagement. And for whatever reason, negativity tends to drive more engagement than positivity. And so I think that harkens back to what we talked about earlier with Trey Lance. Like, why has there been so much negativity around Trey Lance? Well, that's what drives content. So my hope is that while I don't think that 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 grant will change in the terms of, you know, being a little bit more edgy in with his content, being a little bit more contrarian than than other beat writers, right? Um, I I think my hope is that he he stops that that habit of zeroing in and targeting specific players. I think that is the thing that players have 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 realized. And I think that's again what Kinlaw was specifically talking about. Cause even on that live stream, Kinlaw's like essentially I'm not speaking just for me. Like I'm speaking for for everybody, you know, he said it in different terms, you know, he said, nobody <laughs> yeah. F's with you. And Grant's like, what does yeah. that mean? He's like, well, you know what that means. And, you know, I, I think most of us probably do. And what he means is like, nobody in that locker room likes you or respects mm-hmm. you. Um, and, and, and it, it's largely because of how you specifically talk about specific players yeah. and, 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 and the way that you talk about them. It's not necessarily objective. It's not analysis. It, it, it skews more personal than that. And so, my hope is that that is what he realizes and that's where that rhetoric changes. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah, man. It was, it, it's been fascinating to see how this is like gained steam nationally, yeah. but yeah. Um, moving on though. So the other big thing that's kind of going on right now behind the scenes is, is the Debo contract situation. And mm-hmm. I, so here's my stance on it. It's going to get done. It will get done. He's not leaving. They're not trading him. We know this now. It will get done. Like the Warner deal happened in in July of last year. The Kittle deal happened during training camp. They will get a deal done for Debo. He will be in camp. I have no doubt about that. I think that really the sticking point for Debo was probably the the lack of urgency that the team has shown in in getting a deal done because we're seeing all these big deals for the wide receivers resetting the market. Like I I I truly believe that Trent Balky, who is the bane of 49ers fans' existence. Ruined the wide receiver market by Christian Kirk think, in that deal. Yeah. So I feel I, like I that's that, fact. That's not even opinion. That feels like fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he ruined it by overpaying Christian yeah. Kirk. So now everything else—that's the bar. Now everybody mm. else has to kind of like be leveled up there. So mm. I think it's going to get done. I think he, he he won't be traded. It'll get done. I think that there's a couple things here. I, I I'm hoping that his role will be confined to just being a wide receiver and not just like and not taking as many handoffs as he did out of the backfield. Cause he's not going to last, like you're not going right. to stand up to that pounding. Right. And the second thing is, is that I hope that they can carve out a, a better role for him in terms of like, you know, being more of like an actual traditional receiver, especially with like a guy, guys like Danny gray, like stretching the field and, and things like that. So 
again, I think Debo's deal gets done. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, I think uh, twofold. One, you know, they're they're going to release D Ford uh, after June first. That is going to give them eight million dollars in cap space this year. They're also likely if Mac is retiring, which some people took uh, what what Kyle Shanahan said on uh, on Tuesday. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday uh, to where Shanahan said, "I don't." I basically, I think someone asked him if he, he had a good idea of what Mac was going to do. And he's like, I have a good idea. You guys should have a good idea. He's in another country right now. Like I heard that and I was like, oh, <laughs> so Kyle's saying that he's retiring, right? That's what, I, that's how I, that's how I took that. Other right. people didn't take it that way. I, so I don't know, but it, it does seem to me that that is probably the likelier scenario than him coming back. But I don't know. Nobody knows because he's not saying anything. But if he does retire, that's another $2 million that they get in cap space. And then ultimately, like you said, this Debo deal is going to get done. I, I actually wonder if they've been waiting, even though they don't have to, right? They do not have to. They could sign Debo right now with Jimmy Garoppolo on the books and not have that deal affect Debo's cap hit this season at all. So it's not it, Jimmy being on this roster hasn't kept them from extending Debo, but I do think that they likely thought about having that money early in the off season to then use yeah. for Debo uh, specifically. And so I also think it could be that, that that deal gets done when Garoppolo gets traded because Debo is not going to sit out mini camp, which comes in mid June and, and he's not going to sit out training camp. He's going to sit in likely, right? But he's not going to sit out because the, the uh, the new CBA really heavily penalizes players for doing that. And then there's no way that he's going to sit out a season because then he loses an accrued season and he becomes a restricted rights free agent next year and not right. an unrestricted free agent. So there are uh, the 49ers have always had all the leverage, right? They've mm -hmm. always had all the leverage. Debo had leverage to control the narrative in the media and social media. But when it came down to who actually has the leverage, in this contract dispute, it has always been the 49ers and will always be the 49ers. So I agree with you. The deal is going to get done. It's just not going to get done until July, in my opinion, just like it was for Kittle and just like it was for Warner. Yeah. And the, there's a way that the Niners operate typically with their star players. And I, I would expect like with Bosa, when he's up, it'll be the same thing, right? Where they'll, it'll seem like they're dragging the, their heels, but really it's more so like being able to get it done during, during camp. And being able to understand that we don't know what the inner workings are in, in the front office and, and how Parag right. structures these deals out, right? There's a reason why he waits, right? And whether it's like being able to potentially pick up more players and, you know, you need to be able to have more cap space available to do that later on in, in the camp and, and when you get into the offseason, or whether it's, you know, something like you said with, with Mac and, and Jimmy and, and uh, D Ford, where you've got a bunch of money potentially coming off the books and they want to be able to do that in addition to, maybe like making right. some post June 1st cut of a well-known name or a role player that can come in and play. So there's a lot of possibilities. I think that like, again, the NFL off season and plus the way that Debo's uh, representation had him handle this. I think that that was questionable. Uh, and, and I don't necessarily like the idea of going like social media with your grievances and things like that, because it's like, like you said, the Niners have had all the car cards all along and they will continue to do that because even after this year, if, if there is no deal after this year, they can still franchise tag him. Sure. So for two more years. Do, yeah, exactly. For two more years. Yeah. And 
he's going to actually get less money on, under the tag than he would have gotten if right. he signed a deal. So I think that really cooler heads will prevail. He'll be in. There's no better situation for, for Debo than here. So, um, so that's kind of where I am. Yeah. So, um, you know, wanted to talk about the draft, but I think we're up against it a little bit. So we can save that conversation for next week. But, you know, any, any kind of closing sort of thoughts from you, man, on, on how things have gone? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I actually really liked the draft. Uh, I actually think I may have liked their undrafted free agent class a little bit better than their, than their draft class, just because there are some intriguing names in there, uh, specifically Jason Poe from Mercer, the, Mm -hmm. the guard center fullback, uh, which I'm so excited to see how Kyle Shanahan deploys him. I'm not sure that he'll make the 53 man this, this season, but I do think that they have some, some pretty special things in mind for him. And then also Donovan West, who I, I think will be the heir apparent to well him and one of the other guys they drafted, Nick Zakel yeah. out of Fordham. I think those are the two guys that will compete to be the heir apparent to Mac if he yeah. comes back. I guess you can't call him an heir apparent if he retires, but <laughs> I, I'm intrigued by those by those two. And then just the 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 cornerback depth that this team has has created this offseason. You know, it's it's been almost maddening how little they've invested in the secondary since Shanahan and Lynch have come on. And part of that is we know that their philosophy on defense is you build from the front to the back and they invest the majority of the resources on the defensive line and it has paid dividends. You can't argue against that. But now they have, they have all of those resources on the line, but they also now have resources in the secondary. And I'm very excited about Charvarius Ward. I think he comes in and becomes a, a solid number one cornerback. You've got Ambry Thomas, who made leaps and bounds at the end of last year. You've got Verrett coming back. I, I would be over the moon excited if you know he comes back. I personally think that he's going to start the year on PUP, maybe aim for coming back after the bye. But Emmanuel Mosley is criminally underrated. Uh, Jimmy Ward is one of the better safeties in the league if unless you are obsessed with turnovers, which I think is a, a poor metric to, mm-hmm. you know, to really judge a, a, a safety on, uh, or at least not the only metric that you should be using. And so, and then you, they drafted Tariq Castro fields. They drafted Samuel Womack. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about both those guys. I think Womack, they have earmarked for the slot. He is quite literally a physical clone of K1 Williams in terms mm-hmm. of uh, height, weight, uh, but the one thing that he has that K1 didn't, and again, because K1 is older, but even when K1 came out, he's significantly faster than K1 Williams. And so that right. excites me to have a K1 clone, but faster. And then Tariq Castro Fields is another outside guy who ran in the four threes. And so mm-hmm. the depth that they've built in the secondary, I think is the the biggest storyline in the offseason for me. Mm-hmm. And if those pieces come together, uh, I think this defense could actually be better than it was last season. And if Verrett can come back and play at the level that he did in 2020, now you actually have, to me, a top three defense and a top five secondary where you've got, you've got Ward and Verrett on the outside and you could slide Mosley into the, to the slot and, and all of a sudden you've got an, an incredible trio of, of cornerbacks on the field. So the secondary depth, I think, is the, is the biggest one. And then also the, the investment they made in special teams. I think the special teams is going to be better, including yeah. a new special teams coordinator. And so to me, the holes that this team had last season, which were special teams, secondary, and then you could argue 
quarterback play, right? They have addressed those this offseason. Mm-hmm. And and whether or not you think they addressed quarterback with Trey Lance, I I think they did. Um I right. think I think Trey Lance's floor is Jimmy Garoppolo's performance last season in this offense. I think that's his floor. And I I I think I think these first nine weeks, right? The first or the first eight weeks before the bye, you know, I think Trey is going to play well. I don't think he's going to be, you know, a superstar, but I think after that bye is again, he continues to get his feet under him. I think we're going to see a completely different offense after, after that week nine bye. But to me, this team is better than they were last season. I know that there are question marks at left guard. And obviously, if Mac doesn't come back, there are question marks at center. Personally, if I were John Lynch and Mac retired, I would be the minute I hung up with Mac, I'd be on the phone with JC Treader to bring him in. Uh, he's still right. a free agent. He has a ton of experience in the wide zone scheme, played a lot under Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. So I think he could be a plug and play. Give Matt the money you're going to pay Mac. Just give it to JC Treader and call it good. And then again, develop those younger guys. And then maybe those guys take over after next season. But I, I think this team is better and I'm, I'm pretty excited about this season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, like, I think that we'll, we'll probably get more in depth in the draft uh, next week when, when Al's back, but, it, but to your point, uh, one guy that, that you did mention, Leon, Leon O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And that's another one, one of those undrafted free agents. Yep. That's the yeah. one I'm looking at, right? Like he's the guy that I think that can really make an impact because safety is a position of need. And, you know, he went undrafted. He, he's got a lot of raw talent. It's just, you know, number one, that 40 time and number two, like his yeah. coverage skills, like people talk about, you know, being able to cover guys and, and he's still, he's still a work in progress there, but we talk about he, like, speed. he was, he was PFF's second graded safety in the sec last season. I, f- I feel like that says, I feel like that says something that's yeah. not, that's not, <laughs> that's not the, you know, that's, that's not the big 10. That's not the pac 12. We're talking about the sec and for him to be the second graded safety in the sec. I, I, I think that is. His play on the field got overlooked exactly because of what you said that that four seven forty time. Yep, yep, and I think that yeah. again, like they may they may have found something there. I feel like they they may have found something with uh, with Leon O'Neill, but he's one of the guys. Drake Jackson, another guy like playing opposite Bosa. Yeah. That's another guy, just the d- ridiculous get off and first step. And, and the guys in offense, uh, Ty Davis Price, right? Like he a, a big bruising back. Which is great because that's that's what they imagine Trey Sermon to be. Again, like if, you, and if Sermon pans out, like you've got a really deep backfield with, uh, you know, Mitchell, Sermon, Davis Price, and also Jeff Wilson Jr. You know, and, and yeah. he's, if, if, if he can stay healthy. So mm-hmm. again, like you add that plus the speed, uh, the the, the uh, speed element with Gray, and you know he's your number four receiver now. He can stretch the field, so hopefully stuff opens up underneath, and he's a guy that can go and get. Trey's passes, right? We know Trey can yeah. throw down the field. So you have somebody that can actually go and get it now. So a lot of exciting stuff, a lot of stuff to talk about going forward. And I think that, you know, like you, they may not be like in the conference championship this year. I think that we should temper our expectations, but sure. I think that what I want this year is, is growth from Trey. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll close with that. And, and uh, you know, any, any, any final thoughts from you? Um, no, like I said, I'm excited. I, Again, I'm not going to have any expectations in terms of where they're going to finish this season. I'm not going to predict playoffs. I'm not going to predict conference championships, Super Bowl, whatever. Um, I don't think personally, I don't think you can you can automatically write them off as Super Bowl contenders just because Trey Lance is stepping in at quarterback. That's how that's how talented and deep this roster is. It is a Super Bowl roster. And again, if Trey can just simply 
keep his head above water and, you know, and, and run this offense, not even to the best of his ability, but just run this offense at the same, the same level that Jimmy Garoppolo did, which, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy was great on third down. Uh, Jimmy was great on those, you know, on those, those passes over the middle, you know, if a linebacker wasn't there, but um, you know, I think the floor, like I said, I think the floor is, is a lot higher than people assume, especially with the talent around him. And so again, I'm not going to predict a Super Bowl or a playoff run. I, there's no reason to, right. But I'm, I'm also, I also don't think it's, it is, it is out of the realm of possibility. And I think if anybody is, is writing them off as Super Bowl contenders, I think that that is short-sighted in my opinion. So I'm excited for the season. And I'm excited for uh, OTAs to continue next week, mini camp in the middle of June, and then training camp starts at the end of July. And that's when we're really going to start to get a little bit more information. And then again, I'm excited to see uh, once Jimmy starts throwing, where's he going to go? I don't know. Right. Yeah. A lot, lot, of, lot of cool stuff coming up and we will have Absolutely. coverage on all of that and uh, podcast more often for you guys. I know it's been a minute, but uh, it's going to start picking up steam now. So Looking forward to putting that putting that out of contact for y'all. So, uh, but thank you, thanks again, Brian Rennick, for for joining us. And you are thank welcome you, back Zane. on the show anytime, man. It's, it's awesome, awesome. talking to you. So. Thanks, brother. Thanks for thanks for joining. I know it's been short notice, but uh, thanks for hopping on. And for Brian, this is Zane with another episode of the Forty Nine ers Webs on the Huddle, no Huddle Podcast. See you guys.